Okay. Another week, another day, and welcome to today's Health Literacy and Psychosocial virtual session organized by SAOPA, a nonprofit making organization for the prevention of transmission of HIV and AIDS. SAOPA delivers the following programs. One on healthy youth development, one on healthy on health literacy and psychosocial support, and lastly on empowerment, skills development, and training. The objectives of the health literacy and psychosocial support program are to improve the general knowledge and understanding of chronic diseases, to promote adherence and healthy lifestyles to enhance the coping mechanisms and mental health of all people, including our youth, who are on chronic medication, family caregivers, as well as our community health workers. Ladies and gentlemen, we may all agree with me when I say that adherence to our, to our treatment, especially medical treatment, it's very key to healthy living. Well, I'm not an expert, but today in our midst, we do have an expert, very keen and dedicated um, health professional with interest in holistic wellness. She has a wealth of, of experience both in the public as well as the private sector. She's currently responsible for HIV and AIDS management and wellness programs, including management of, of modern ailments such as the tuberculosis, the diabetes, high blood pressure, as well as cholesterol. She's a panelist of the Independent Tribunal um, for Social Assistance Appeals. She's a member of the HPCSA a Professional a Committee, as well as the Assistant Professional Association. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, made, I've, I've indicated that I'm not an expert, but today we are really honored to have in our list Dr. Nolwa Zikiduta, who's going to, to take us through issues relating to adherence. A round of applause to our medical doctor, Dr. Nolasi Putuka. Over to you, ma'am. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for that wonderful uh, introduction. Now, without wasting any further time, let's get to our reason for today's meeting. I'll start sharing the slides. Okay, today it's going to be more of an interactive session. And I can see it's only the four of us now. However, we will still do it as I have planned to do it because we are hoping that whenever someone listens to the recording, they can actually put themselves in our shoes. Okay, today we are continuing talking about cardiovascular disease. Okay, I have a case that I would like us to go through. Okay. This is a made-up case. It's not an actual patient. This is just for the sake of learning. I have Mr. Ngosi, who is a 66-year-old male widower. Mr. Ngosi holds an executive position at work. So he has to deal with quite a lot. He is currently working from home because of the lockdown restrictions. And he has not been exercising for the past six months and has gained a lot of weight. And I'm sure most people can relate to this. He has to submit a report and is stressed because he couldn't finish on time. Well, Mr. Ngosi has four children. 
And he always buys takes out because um, he just feels that at times there isn't enough time for people to, to cook. He has a nanny who does not live there who comes and goes. That's why at times they have to buy takeouts. Mr. Ngosi smokes plus minus 10 cigarettes per day and drinks almost every day to try to deal with the stress. He presented with headaches for more than two weeks and decided to consult. At the consultation, his blood pressure reading is 160 over 110. He was allowed to rest for about five to 10 minutes and a repeat blood pressure reading was 150 over 100. And Mr. Nkosi's mother has high blood pressure and diabetes mellitus. Okay, what's going on through your head now? Okay. Let's see what risk factors does Mr. Nkosi have for high blood pressure. I'll just refresh our memories with this part of the question and the next part will be more interactive. Okay, we can see that Mr. Ngosi has a family history of hypertension. His mom has hypertension and he also has a family history of diabetes mellitus. Well, Mr. Ngosi is a smoker. Mr. Ngosi drinks alcohol and Mr. Ngosi is physically inactive. So what is the rationale? We know from the previous presentations that smoking, excessive alcohol intake, and physical inactivity are strongly associated with hypertension. So, okay, before I go back to this section, let's just have an interactive session. Okay, um, having listened to that, do you agree with me with regards to the risk factors for hypertension? Absolutely, yes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Cynthia, would you like to say something? <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe Cynthia is going to get herself a cup of coffee. Okay. All right, then. Wonderful. We'll continue then. We'll go on to the next session. The next part of the question. Yes. Okay. Okay, then. At his first visit, the healthcare professional that was helping Mr. Ngosi decided to also do these tests. He did his random blood glucose, which was found to be elevated. He also did an HbA1c test, which is a test that checks for blood glucose in the past few months, not only for that period of time, but it's over a few months, and it was found to be elevated. Mr. Ngosi also had raised cholesterol, raised triglycerides, and his repeat blood pressure was 140, I mean 150 over 90. Okay. So what risk factors for cardiovascular disease does Mr. Ngosi have now? We spoke about the risk factors last week about cardiovascular disease. So from the readings that I've just shared, 
what do you think are the major risk factors? Uh, what do you think are the contributing factors for cardiovascular disease? Uh, could could I ask you maybe just what what is his random BG eleven? What what does that stand for again? Sorry, dear. Sorry, it's blood glucose. Random blood glucose. When we test oh. blood glucose, yeah, if you have not fasted, we say it's a random blood glucose, okay. and it has to be between seven and ten years. So, a fasting glucose would definitely be less. But now this is just a random blood glucose. And the HbA1c8? This is a test that I said it checks the blood glucose in the blood for the past few months. So Not only the random is just a stat, like a now blood okay. glucose, so but the, the HbA1c8. Yes. So the, the, these first two are actually related to, to blood sugar levels. It, Yes, they are related to blood sugar level. Okay. It's, 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 they, both, they both confirm that his blood glucose is raised. Okay, and then the cholesterol and the triglycerides, that is basically a, like a cholesterol reading, right? Both yes, yes, the lipids in the blood, yes. Yes, okay, and then the BP, that's blood pressure. Okay. That's blood pressure, yes. Okay, sorry, could you repeat the question again? Okay, now I'm saying what risk factors for cardiovascular disease does Mr. Ngozi have? Oh, okay, the bottom three, raised cholesterol, uh, raised triglycerides, and uh, repeat blood pressure. Awesome, yes, awesome. Um, I feel like I agree with, with, with Patrick. I think with the, with the high cholesterol level, um, with, the, with hypertension, you know, and um, um, he's 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 more likely, you know, to can have a a a a, 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 heart, a heart heart condition. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for yes. contributing. Pleasure. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, yes, I agree with both of you. We have major risk factors, and we also have contributing factors. Now, what are our major risk factors? The high blood pressure. Okay. High blood pressure, remember, it increases your risk for heart disease. It increases your risk for heart attack and stroke. And of course, if you are obese and you smoke and you have high cholesterol levels as well, and along with the high blood pressure, your risk of heart disease or stroke greatly increases yeah, of blood pressure okay there <laughs> sorry I, I just never realized that the stroke was included there as well wow oh okay no i didn't mention the stroke i just mentioned the cardiovascular disease but i'm just when you know i just felt i needed to emphasize that it not only contributes to cardiovascular disease but it oh. also raises your chances for stroke. Okay, okay. Thanks okay. for that. Thank you for that. Awesome, awesome. Yes. And then um, what I can also say is blood pressure can vary with activity and it can vary with age, but a normal reading for a healthy adult who is resting should actually be 120-80. But remember last week I said anything below 130 over 80 is acceptable. Awesome. So in this case, our patient has a repeat BP of 150 over 90. So this is raised. It confirms high blood pressure. Yes. Are we I'm, still all on the same page? Yes, I'm, I'm a 130 over 80. <laughs> Just awesome, awesome. For your age, awesome, awesome. Yes. We must just maintain it at that, at that level. Cynthia, do you perhaps what what is your blood pressure? I, for now, um, I'm not good with numbers, so I can't remember. But um, typically, um, um, my, 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 I, I used to have a sort of low blood, but I think okay. uh, with my 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 health condition, um, um, sometime last I think last year or even this year, it, it went a bit high, but um, not that much high. So I was just put on observation, mm -hmm. and then it uh, it suddenly went down. So. So far, I've never had any, any, any issues, and I, um, um, I hope, you know, it stays that way. 
Okay, awesome. Um, I, I also have low blood pressure, so mine is always around 110 over 70, or it can even go up to 100 over 60. But that is the topic for another day. Okay. And then the other, <laughs> the other major risk factor is cigarette smoking. I think we mentioned this the past few sessions, we mentioned how tobacco smoking can increase your chances of other diseases on top of cardiac disease. It can increase your chances of lung cancer. And, and remember, I even said most people tend to think smoking is only associated with lung damage, but smoking actually affects almost every organ in the system. Yes. It can, yes, it greatly increases your chances of heart disease as well and peripheral vascular disease, which we mentioned last week and said it's the disease in the vessels that supply blood to the arms and the legs. Uh -huh. And yeah, actually, how does smoking work? Smoking actually increases your heart rate, it tightens the major arteries, and it can create irregularities in the timing of the heartbeat, all of which makes your heart work harder. Smoking raises your blood pressure. And, and remember, raised blood pressure is a, a factor for cardiovascular disease. And, and uh, although nicotine is the main active agent in cigarette smoke, other chemicals and compounds like tar and carbon monoxide are also harmful to your heart in many ways. Yes. Okay. All right, now let's move on to diabetes mellitus. Okay. We confirmed that our patient has high blood glucose. We said a random blood glucose of 11 and a raised HbA1c of 8. And um, oh. <laughs> heart problems. <laughs> Uh, heart problems are actually the leading cause of death among people with diabetes, especially oh. in the case, mm, especially in the case of type two diabetes, which is also known as non-insulin dependent diabetes. Yes. Yeah, and um, so if you have diabetes, you have to be under a doctor's care because we need to control your sugar levels so that they may be within the normal range below seven. If we take a random blood glucose of, if it's less than seven, it is acceptable. However, if you are diabetic, anything less than 10 is still acceptable. Yes. Okay, and then we now move on to lipid abnormalities. We mentioned that our patient has raised cholesterol and raised triglycerides that also contribute towards the uh, towards your cardiovascular disease risk okay and gender gender is also associated with cardiovascular disease risk can you believe it yes I, I, and wow. <laughs> Yes. Is that because so, the males are worried or are more stressed because they have to bring in the money? Maybe, you know, I think oh. so because they are the providers. Yeah. So I think yes. maybe yes. they are more stressed. And physical and, activity, I think you forgot as well. Inactivity, sorry. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention physical inactivity, which is very important. Yes. Which we, you know, we, we know that we cannot emphasize this more than what we have done. People who are not active have a greater risk of heart attack than people who do exercise regularly. Yes. Exercise burns calories and it helps maintain a healthy weight. And it also helps to control cholesterol levels and diabetes. And it may also lower the blood pressure. So that's how important exercise is. And exercise on top of that, it also strengthens the heart muscles and make the arteries more flexible. Uh-huh. So, so I believe each and every one of us should be exercising every day 
if not at least three to five times per week. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then we said the male gender have a higher risk. Yeah. Uh, and then, but, but then there comes a change. The difference narrows after women reach menopause. After the age of 65, the risk of heart disease is about the same between males and females. Why is that? Because uh, I, I think studies have just shown that once you've reached menopause, you, your chances of, of heart disease is the same. Uh, I will have to do, yeah, I don't have actual statistics and the reason for that, but I think yeah. studies have shown that um, men and women who are more or less over 65, they have the same risk of cardiovascular disease as opposed to a young female who's 40. Her chances of cardiovascular disease are decreased as compared to a male who is the same age, 40. Maybe it's because she's worried about our, her children. <laughs> yeah but is, is it not the, the hormones don't they have an uh, an, an impact you know they, don't they play a role you know in uh, women's susceptibility you know to to heart diseases i think they most probably do i will have to check that and and you know just give you a definite answer at our next session Wow, that'll be wonderful. That'll be wonderful. Mm. Thank mm. you, Norwazi. I will most certainly research that. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then uh, another risk factor, which I did not write here, is definitely age. Older age is a risk factor for heart disease. So our patient, we said he's 66. So age also contributes to his Even risk for cardiovascular. Even if he doesn't have high blood pressure? Or... Even if he doesn't have high blood pressure, even if he doesn't have diabetes, even if he's, you know, he he's not obese, the fact that he is older, his chances of heart disease are increased. I see, I see. Remember, as we age, our hearts tend to not work as well as when we are young. Mm. The heart walls may actually thicken and the arteries may stiffen and harden, making the heart less able to pump blood to the muscles of the body. So because of these changes, yes, the risk for developing heart disease will can increase I, with age. Can I make a, a like just ask a question? Um, yes, yes. Um, if a, if you were like say a young man and you you were very conscious of your health and you watched what you ate and you didn't smoke and you maintained your blood pressures and you did physical activity and you kept your body basically going uh, in in terms mm -hmm. of would that make a difference with age? Uh, remember, I've just said the, as you age, your walls thicken, but most probably because you were taking care of yourself, even though your heart walls are thickening and the arteries are stiffening as a result of age, your chances of heart disease are not as high as, as for someone who was irresponsible. Okay, okay. But because of your age, it's still a risk factor. Okay. Yes, I was just mm -hmm. making sure that it, it uh, you know, that it, it's, it's not it, it, age only because nobody, yeah. everybody doesn't die at the same age. So, mm, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh. Mm. So, definitely, if you look very well after yourself, even though you are aged, your chances of cardiovascular disease are not as high as for someone who was irresponsible, someone who was not exercising someone who was smoking, someone who had high blood pressure, because even high blood pressure has an effect on the walls of the, the heart muscle. Yes. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so I think, I think, yeah, I think, Cynthia, you're probably right when you say hormones, you know, I, they usually protect women from heart disease until, of course, menopause. But I will confirm that in our next session. 
Mm. Yeah, and then the other contributing risk factors, remember I mentioned that our patient drinks almost every day, so alcohol consumption is also a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And, uh, and uh, yes, yes. And, and, and also we said uh, he's also stressed. I, I mentioned I just created these scenarios just to make sure that we emphasize the risk factors. I mentioned that he, he has stress at work. So stress is also a contributing factor for heart disease. In fact, they say um, science has shown that the effects of emotional stress, behavior habits, socioeconomic status on the risk of the heart disease is actually still being studied. But however, stressful situations are associated with raising your heart rate and blood pressure. I think we can both agree that when you're stressing, you can actually hear or feel your heart pumping. Exactly. Yes, and, 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 and um, increasing your heart's need for oxygen. This yeah. increased demand mm, for oxygen can lead to insufficient oxygen-rich blood getting to the tissues, or it can even bring on chest pain. Yes. That's how it affects the, the cardiovascular system. But uh, I think that's why physical activity would it really plays a strong role because if your heart is used to being raised uh, in pressure and a circulation is being forced through the through the veins and arteries uh, and they are continuously expanding and contracting and they're used to uh, that kind of stress of of maybe mm -hmm. physical inactivity that when a stressful situation comes about and the blood pressure rises up and that sort of stuff, then um, it won't, it won't uh, be it, as yeah. bad. Yeah. It won't be as bad if you're, you, you are actually someone who exercises. Yes. Exactly. And remember, exercise actually helps you cope with stress as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh mm -hmm. absolutely. I agree with that. Awesome. Yes. 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 Wow, awesome. And, 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 mm, and, and, and stress also increases the amount of blood clotting factors that circulate in your blood, oh. making it more likely that a clot will form. Wow. And clots, yeah, and we don't want clots because wow. <laughs> they may block an artery and, you know, an artery that is probably narrowed by a plug and even cause a heart attack. Yeah, so, exactly. Oh, oh my goodness, yes. So this model that you gave us, this man and you, this lifestyle that you you uh, opened up to us, this guy's he's already he's ready to, to for the, at the slightest provocation just to fall down on his back and say goodbye. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. If he doesn't make changes, then chances are he will not live to walk. Um, you know, to see their great-grandkids. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. and, and, and uh, stress may also contribute to other risk factors. For example, people who are stressed may overeat for comfort. Mm -hmm. They start smoking or smoke more than they normally would. So that's how stress can yes. contribute to us. Cardiovascular disease. Yes, I, I would personally like to see the 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 diet issues also on this list as being quite important. You know, exercise is very Thanks. important for longevity, but I think diet is also as important. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes, I can see that we are really, you know, because I did mention that he. Actually, yes. At part, I mentioned that he he buys takeouts most Take of the aways. time. Takeaways, yes. Takeaways, so yes. we can see yes. that he's not eating healthy. Hey, even yes. though, and I actually think I even mentioned that he gained weight. You see, I even mentioned yes. there that he gained weight in the past years. So thank you for bringing that up, Patrick. Thank you oh. so much, guys. No, so definitely. You. So definitely diet is also a contributing factor 
for cardiovascular disease. Amen. Last week we spoke about the, the lifestyle modifications. So there's actually plenty here that, that needs to be you know, undertaken by our, by, 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 by our friend here in terms of you know the diet for example yeah. you know the exercise you know yeah. um, watching you know yeah. you know you know you know himself you know and so forth so i think it's sort of a continuation i agree with patrick that you know the lifestyle modification is very 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 key Le looking at all the aspects you know of 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 of, of awareness yeah. absolutely uh, absolutely so it goes back to saying what now should we say to our patient? We should uh, encourage him to eat healthy, mm -hmm. a balanced diet. We mm -hmm. should encourage him to quit smoking. We know it's not easy, but we'll work with him and refer him if necessary to people who can assist him with um, quitting. And we are also saying, uh, we are encouraging him to be physically active regular physical activity we can ask him to just start by walking 20 to 30 minutes a day yeah. and see if that won't work for the blood pressure as well and uh because already he has lipid abnormalities already he has diabetes this is someone who should you know take his medication remember we said another control measure is making sure that chronic conditions are controlled yeah. Blood pressure should be controlled with medication. Uh, that blood glucose should be controlled with medication. This patient should also be taking lipid, uh, lipid medication, you know, your statins, lipid lowering medication as well, because yes. a patient who has high blood pressure and blood glucose, their chances of stroke are high. Yes. So this is someone that we really need to, to, to control and to, probably review monthly to make sure that yes. uh, everything is within the normal range. Yes, that's why diet is also so important for diabetes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that's so, Absolutely. What a wonderful mm -hmm. lesson. Beautiful. Thank you so much so far. Thank you guys for making it inter in interactive and very nice. <laughs> Pleasure. Okay, so... Now, I just wanted to go back to the heart. You know, I think the heart is such a fascinating organ. Really? And just to share, yes, to share the, you know, the functions, the main functions of the heart. And it will help us understand why we really need to take care of it. Remember, the heart is useful for pumping oxygenated blood to the other body parts, which is necessary. Yes. The heart is necessary for pumping hormones and other vital substances to different parts of the body. And it's also responsible for receiving deoxygenated blood and carrying metabolic waste products from the body and pumping it to the lungs for oxygenation. And finally, the other function of the heart is to maintain blood pressure. You know, I think we all know that the heart is actually a muscular organ that is about the size of your fist. Mm. And just to, you know, emphasize, it, it, it actually lies in the front and middle of your chest, behind and slightly to the left of your breastbone. So now let's move on to, why is my slide not moving? Okay, now let's get back to this fascinating organ. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we said the heart has four chambers. The right atrium receives blood from the veins and pumps it to the right atrium, I mean to the right ventricle, sorry. The right ventricle receives blood from the right atrium and pumps it to the lungs where it is, remember we said it is oxygenated and the, uh, let's, 
let me just go back and the the waste products are removed mm. the the left atrium receives oxygenated blood from the lungs and pumps it to the left ventricle the left ventricle this is the strongest chamber of the heart this one pumps oxygen rich blood to the rest of the body that's why it has to you know it really does the most work the left ventricles vigorous contractions create our blood pressure yes um okay just to okay these are the some of the conditions that we discussed last week we discussed coronary artery disease and I, I, I stressed the fact that cholesterol plaques can narrow the arteries supplying blood to the heart and the narrowed arteries are at higher risk for complete blockage from a sudden blood clot. And this blockage is actually the result of a heart attack. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, when you have a heart attack, your, your heart muscles are starved of oxygen and they end up dying. And we also mentioned cardiomyopathy, which we said it's a disease of the heart muscle in which the heart is abnormally enlarged, it is thickened, and or it can be stiffened as well. As a result, the heart's ability to pump blood is weakened. And uh, cardiac arrest, this is the most dangerous um, condition of the heart, whereby you get sudden loss of heart function and, and, and you know, patients do not come back from this unless if they get, uh, you know, urgent assistance. And this is the one that we mentioned that most males are actually dying from cardiac arrest because of your uh, lifestyle, be it smoking, be it not eating a healthy diet, physical inactivity. So this is just to re-emphasize some of the conditions that we discussed last week. And then uh, the tests, uh, some of the tests that can be performed for heart conditions are an electrocardiogram, which is known very well as an ECG or EKG. This is a tracing of the heart's electrical activity. Electrocardiograms can help diagnose many heart conditions. Another important test is your echocardiogram. An echocardiogram is actually an ultrasound of the heart. You know, it provides, mm, yes, it, it actually provides direct viewing of any problems with the heart muscles pumping ability and the wow. heart valves. Can you look awesome. right into, does it, does it dissect the heart like the drawing that you gave us? Yes, and it, it, it wow. sees everything that's happening inside the heart. Wow. Awesome. I'd, mm. love, I'd love to see a, a video of that. Of that, hey? Yeah, yeah that we'll probably. We'll, yeah, we'll make a plan for that. We will definitely make a plan in one of our sessions. And an electrocardiogram. Then you can explain. An electrocardiogram. Yeah, that would be so cool. Awesome, we'll do, we'll definitely do that. Okay, and, wow. Yeah. And then we also have cardiac, cardiac stress test. I think, I'm not sure if any of you guys have done this, but I've, I've had a cardiac stress test done. No. It's where a treadmill no, is not used. Not yet, okay, I've had one. You know, when you, when you think your heart could be giving you problems, so you just go for a consult and, you know, just for screening purposes, they, uh -huh. they, they use a treadmill mm -hmm, or they give you medicine to stimulate the heart so that it can pump to near maximum capacity. Wow. And this will definitely identify years, people with coronary artery disease. 
Uh-huh. Awesome. Hey? Yes. Wow. So what does it do then? Yeah. Okay. They, they put your body under stress and then they take an electrocardiogram and an echocardiogram yeah. at the same time. And they just yeah. everything. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm. Awesome. And then we also have mm -hmm, cardiac catheterization. This is now an investigation where a catheter is inserted into the femoral artery in the groin region Oof. and threaded into the coronary arteries. Yes. Oof. And with this, yeah, a doctor can view x-ray images of the coronary arteries or any blockages and perform uh, a stenting or any other procedure. Is there a camera at the end of this? Uh, yes. 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 Okay. okay. With some light as well, I imagine. With some light as well, absolutely. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. What happens yeah, if, if they don't let it get into the heart? I mean, can you imagine if it starts getting stuck in the in, on the valve or something like that? No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why they only do it in the, you know, in the, just to see, the, to look at your arteries. Yes. Wow. Okay. And then we have a halter monitor. This is uh, if a doctor suspects arrhythmia, a, a portable heart monitor can be one. Remember we said arrhythmia is when the heart does not beat the way it should. Yes, it goes it's, more erratic. Absolutely, yes. So the, 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 the halter monitor can record the heart rhythm continuously for 24 hours, just to make sure that it's, uh, to confirm if a patient has arrhythmia. Yes. So, but now what, what, what exactly does the halter monitor? <laughs> Sorry. You see, you know, sometimes, uh, you may say my heart beats funny, you know, and then when you go and consult, when the doctor checks you up. Yes. Checks the heart rhythm for the, for, for 24 hours in a row. Oh, I see. That because that. sometimes the heart, yeah, you see oh, sometimes okay. it can beat and yeah, so it's just for making sure that within the 24 hours, are there any abnormal heartbeats? Okay, you're... Over a period. Yes. Okay. And no, then we also okay. have... But mm -hmm. what, what can they determine from that? Other than these things are going wrong. Uh, because um, apparently, I mean, when you get all stressed up, your, your heart goes faster. Mm -hmm. And apparently, mm -hmm. I, was, I was reading somewhere that uh, your variable heart beat your heartbeat never stays exactly at the same beat all the time mm -hmm. continuous speeding up and slowing down and speeding depending, slowing on, down. depending on the the, the the energy requirements of the body and stress levels and all that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. um, so that's why it's probably a good thing to take it over 24 hours they'll probably be able to see whether you've got a lot of stress or not hey Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then the other interesting one is an event monitor. If a doctor suspects, you, you know, an infrequent arrhythmia, they also put an, a, a portable heart monitor, which is now referred to as, uh, as an event monitor. Okay. And when you develop, you know, when you feel funny, because you can, you can tell if your heartbeat is abnormal. Then you can push a button to record the heart electrical rhythm. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. that, is that so, something like I mean, the, these new iPhone watches can read your heartbeat as well? Uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, so wow, technology. Oh, is yeah, I think it is. Technology. Think being, we, I wanted to say that we are being empowered, also, uh, Patrick. You know. We are really being empowered. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, Dr. Lovazi. Absolutely. You're welcome. Okay, <laughs> now before I'm gonna I'm gonna play a, a, a short video after this slide. I just want to uh, go back to you know talking about treatment because this is 
chronic illnesses and adherence. We need to adhere to treatment. So what are some of the treatments for heart conditions? Exercise, we spoke about exercise. Regular exercise is important for heart health and for most heart conditions. But remember, as a patient, a patient needs to first talk to their doctors before they start any heart pro, pro I mean, any heart uh, program, because not everyone can do certain forms of exercises. So yeah. before you do, you know, you know those uh, intense activities, you need to talk to your doctor. But uh, a walk, a simple, normal-paced walk, is still fine. Good. And then we have. We have angioplasty, which is, uh, you know, during catheterization. Remember, we spoke about catheterization in my previous slide. Yes. A doctor will inflate a balloon inside a narrowed or blocked coronary artery to widen the artery. And a stent is often placed to keep the artery open. This is now for those who have oh. a lot of buildup of plague. So they probably have to do that quite fast because can you imagine he puts a balloon in and then if it takes too long, uh, your, your blood flow can, can stop and that could cause you to die. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And then uh, you call you, sometimes an angioplasty is called a percutaneous uh, coronary intervention or also these are just other names of angioplasty that can be performed okay. percutaneous transluminal coronary angioplasty and then we also have coronary artery stenting you know during cardiac catheterization a doctor expands a wire metal stent inside a narrowed or blocked coronary artery to open up the area yes. this lets blood flow better and can prevent a heart attack or relieve chest pains. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then we also have, yes, thrombolysis, which is, you know, clot-busting clot drugs that can be injected into the vein to dissolve a blood clot, causing a heart attack. So oh. this, this procedure, yeah. But, this is only done if stenting is not possible. Okay. Yes. And re remember we said the buildup is usually due to, 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 to fat, fatty deposits. Yes. So another way of treating yes, of treating uh, cardiac disease is using statins or any other cholesterol lowering drugs to decrease your risk of heart attack in high-risk people. Okay. And then, of course, yeah, controlling your blood pressure, be it with the, your diuretics, your beta blockers, and, and aspirin. Now we have, you know, patients who are high-risk, people with hypertension, people with diabetes and cholesterol are put on aspirin daily to prevent uh, blood clots. Okay. And, and yeah, and people who have had a heart attack should also take aspirin. So this is like an advanced form of cholesterol then? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So these are your diuretics. Your diuretics are mainly for your blood pressure patient. Beta blockers are also for your blood pressure patient. Beta blockers also lower your heart rate. So before you are put on a beta blocker, the healthcare professional needs to make sure that your heart rate is nothing below 50 because if it's below 50, the beta blocker will drop it even more. What and is a beta blocker? <laughs> uh, a tenolol, sorry, an example is a tenolol. Oh, sorry, say it again. A tenolol, a tenolol. It's, it's given to patients who have high blood pressure with very high heart rates of, you know, 90s, 80s, a resting heart rate that is very high. So, so it, lowers, it lowers the blood pressure, but at the same time, 
it lowers your heart rate. Okay, then what does beta mean? Beta blocker. But what does <laughs> the beta stand for? I, I just, it's just called beta blocker. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's used to reduce the strain on the heart and lower the heart yeah. rate. So yeah, at the yeah. same time, working on the on the blood pressure. Yes. And then we have, um, you know, your angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitors. This is a very commonly known as Covacil Pharmapress. This is blood pressure medication. It helps uh, the heart after heart attacks, especially, and it also prevents congestive heart failure. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, then you mentioned that aspirin is, is given to patients who are at high risk for cardiovascular disease. Uh-huh. And yes. yes. And wow. then we also have AED. I just put that there for interest sake. AED is an automated external defibrillator. If someone has sudden cardiac arrest, remember I said, the sooner you get to you get attention, the better. So if someone has had sudden cardiac arrest, an AED is, an, is a machine that can be used to assess the heart rhythm and send an electrical shock to the heart if necessary. Uh -huh. And then, yeah, and then and we also have your implantable cardioverter defibrillator if, if a doctor suspects that you are at a high risk of life-threatening arrhythmias, they may implant a cardioverter defibrillator surgically to monitor your heart rhythm and send an electrical shock to the heart if necessary. Uh -huh. And yeah, the commonly known is a pacemaker. We have patients who have a pacemaker inserted to maintain a stable heart rate, and yeah, a pacemaker is actually implanted. It also sends electrical signals to the heart when necessary to help it beat properly. Okay. And then, in closure, I just want to play, you know, a nice video that summarizes what I've just said. Awesome. Okay, let's play the video. Interesting. The heart is an interesting organ, hey? Very. Mm. Uh, it is very interesting, uh, Dr. Lazi. Very, very interesting. Hi, welcome to the video. In today's revision session, we're going to be focusing on the heart. Can you all Let's see? Let's start with some basic anatomy. Here is a... Can you all see and hear clearly? Yes, we can. Yes, yes we can. You. Awesome. Can. Awesome. Okay. Okay. You can see the left and the right atrium and ventricles. Remember, we label this as the anatomical position, so the right ventricle and atrium appear on the left of the diagram. We can look at the anatomical position of the heart within the ribcage. This allows us to determine the four corners of the heart. The upper left corner of the heart is located at the second intercostal space. The lower left corner of the heart, where the apex of the heart is, is found at the fifth intercostal space. The upper right corner is located at the third costal cartilage, and the lower right corner is at the sixth costal cartilage. Oxygenated blood flows through the left-hand side of the heart, with blood entering the left atrium via the pulmonary veins from the lungs. It then passes down to the left ventricle via the mitral valve. The left ventricle has a thicker muscular wall than the right ventricle, so it can pump blood around the body at a higher pressure. The blood then exits the heart to systemic flow via the aortic valve to the aortic arch. The aortic arch then branches into the brachiocephalic trunk, the left common carotid artery, and the left subclavian artery. Once it has passed through the body, the blood returns to the heart, deoxygenated, via the inferior and superior vena cava into the right atrium. It then passes to the right ventricle. 
The valve on this side is called the tricuspid valve. The blood then exits the heart to the pulmonary trunk via the pulmonary valve, where it then flows into the left and right pulmonary arteries to take blood to the lungs. These are the only deoxygenated blood-carrying arteries in the body. So what are some of the functions of the heart? The heart helps to control blood pressure, which is important because blood must reach the furthest parts of the body to give an adequate supply of oxygen and nutrients to all tissues. Blood pressure is the force or hydrostatic pressure that blood exerts against a blood vessel wall and it varies based on A, the system, B, the distance from the left ventricle and C, whether the heart is in systole or diastole. Have you ever wondered how the heart beats? The key point here is that the pumping action of our heart is regulated by an electrical conduction system that coordinates the contraction of the various chambers of the heart. Firstly, the heart is innervated by both parasympathetic and sympathetic fibres. These fibres pass down the heart from the medulla located in the brainstem by way of the vagus nerve. So, what is the pathway of electrical stimulation? The sinoatrial node, located here, generates an electrical stimulus, hence why it's known as the heart's natural pacemaker. This small mass of specialised tissue produces an impulse that travels to the atrioventricular node, located here, where the impulse is slowed down temporarily and continues down the conduction pathway via the bundle of Hiss. The bundle of Hiss branches into left and right bundles that run along the interventricular septum. The left bundle branch further divides into the left anterior and the left posterior fascicles. These bundles and fascicles give rise to thin filaments known as Purkinje fibres. These fibres innervate the two ventricles so that they contract in sync, allowing for a coordinated and controlled rhythm of blood circulation. Now what happens when things go wrong in the heart? There are many possible diseases of the heart, an example being coronary heart disease. This occurs when one of the coronary arteries supplying the heart with oxygenated blood is blocked or interrupted by a buildup of the throma. Causes include smoking, lack of exercise resulting in obesity, hypertension, high cholesterol and type 2 diabetes. Chest pain, also known as angina, and heart attacks are the two main symptoms of coronary heart disease. Statins and beta blockers are the two main types of drugs used to treat symptoms of coronary heart disease. Beta blockers reduce blood pressure and statins inhibit enzymes that synthesize cholesterol in the liver. An alternative treatment to drugs are stents, which widen blood vessels to reduce blood pressure. So to summarise, we've covered the basic anatomy of the heart, its blood flow, electrical stimulation and coronary heart disease. We hope you found this video helpful. Thanks for watching. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank very, you, very guys. Yeah. Wow. wow. I hope wow. you enjoyed it. Really look at yourself. Yeah. I don't mean I don't take know. stock of your life, which Sorry. really isn't any of my business, but I mean, just look at your... <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Thank you very much, Dr. Lazi. Thank you very much for the wealth of yeah. information. I think... As we are attending these uh, sessions, uh, Patrick, you would agree with me that we are being educated day by day. I'm really being educated, Absolutely. you know, knowing about your body, you know, the possible, you know, health risks, you know, the the, the lifestyle modification that one has to, you know, yo, um, um, it's quite overwhelming, I must be honest with you. And then thank you very much for the wealth of information that, that you've just shared with us, you know. Um, I think we, 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 we've come to the conclusion of, of today's session and uh, I would like to, you know, um, extend, you know, um, a word of gratitude, you know, to our partners, uh, particularly the Department of Health, you know, who are actually supporting, you know, supporters, you know, uh, interventions to our consortium members as well as, you know, the, the community at large without the community, you know, receiving, you know, the services that SAOPA is offering. Uh, there would be no no sour and I think um, a, a, a word of gratitude also goes to you know our our healthcare workers you know who who, who those who have attended the previous you know debriefing um, uh, program you know um, and those who continue you know to to attend the programs that uh, Saopa is offering oh we 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 I forgot to switch on I forgot to switch on the the, the, the mic. 
I, I was saying that you know a world of work uh, gratitude also goes to our, our 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 healthcare workers you know for having you know supported as a hopper by sort of attending you know the the debriefing programs that are sort of being organized you know by by, by Saopa. um without uh, our health workers obviously we are there is no Saopa. and uh, i also want to share you know the fact that Saopa is actually exploring you know other avenues or platforms you know for disseminating the information that um, that is being um uh, 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 um uh, 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 produced all the the, 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 the the presentations you know by the various speakers so just wash out the space on that note ladies and gentlemen and wish you a blessed evening till we meet again good night good night thank you so much and bye good night bye 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 bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye Cynthia